The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. The majority of you are keeping tabs on the SNC-Lavalin affair, and that is turning out to be bad news for the Prime Minister. Well, indeed it is. New polling conducted by Ipsos uh, for Global News shows the Prime Minister popularity continues to, you know, I was going to say drop, but I think plummet might be a, a more uh, a fitting expression. And we're joined now by Daryl Bricker, CEO of Ipsos uh, Public Affairs. Uh, hi, Daryl. Thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, so you know what? I want to say before we get into what the numbers suggest that this poll was taken prior to uh, the re- resignation of Philpot, which is, I can only imagine how that might have impacted the numbers. But what did the numbers say? Well, it shows the, the uh, Conservatives ahead with about uh, a nine-point lead. So they're at 40 and the Liberals are at 31. Uh, so those are basically the results of the last election campaign flipped on their head. Hmm. Uh, Interesting. And that's the biggest lead the Conservatives had uh, for quite a while. Well, since then. Uh, probably back into early of, uh, in uh, Stephen Harper's yeah. majority term. Uh, it's, been, it's been quite a while that they, since they've had this lead. Although previously the lead was over the NDP, not the Liberals. Oh. So let's talk about statistics in general so we understand them. Because uh, typically, if you, statistically, if you uh, ask for a, fa- you know, you, you ask for popularity in a party, it's going to be highest right after they've been elected, for example. I, I mean, is there, yeah. I, I guess what I'm asking, yeah, is there right. a cyclical nature? to this that generally prior to an election that the ruling party drops? Is that typical? Uh, well, it, it depends. I mean, in, in some instances when you have a particularly uh, popular incumbent, that's not the case. Uh, so uh, this is an instance in which, you know, six months ago, if you would have asked me about this, it, you would have said it they had a, a, you know, a pretty good chance of winning again and, uh, and, and forming a strong majority. But it reminds me of that period back in uh, 2004 when Paul Martin looked to be very similar, and then all of a sudden the, uh, the ad scam scandal mm-hmm. popped up, and the Gomery inquiry popped up, and all bets were off. So a, a guy from Western Canada, from Calgary, who nobody thought had any chance of, of uh, ever beating the juggernaut of the Liberal Party, ended up being uh, Prime Minister for 10 years. Some of the numbers I find uh, very, very interesting and possibly very, very telling are the numbers that um, came out of this uh, in Quebec, in Ontario. Can you let our listeners know how those broke down? Yeah, so Ontario is the one that really matters. And, and, and I have to keep reminding people to, to think about the, this in the following proportions, because we have this view that, you know, Quebec decides all our national elections. It's just not the case anymore. So there's 78 seats in all of Quebec. There's 70 seats in the Greater Toronto area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Ontario is what really, really matters. Uh, sure, Quebec's important, but not anything like it used to be historically. So in Ontario right now, the national numbers are mimicked in the provincial numbers. So the Liberals uh, are trailing the Conservatives by nine. But they're also trailing in the 905, which is about the 35 to 40 seats, depending on how you look at it, around the city of Toronto uh, by over 20 points. And, you know, you, you don't win elections in that circumstance. I mean, this is the one big swing area. Uh, in Canadian politics, the 905, they voted for Justin Trudeau in 2015, they voted for Stephen Harper in 2011, huh. and they just voted for Doug Ford in the provincial election yeah. in, uh, in Ontario. So they're, they swing back and forth, and right now they've swung over to the Conservatives in a big way. Uh, very good for the Conservatives. The province of Quebec, uh, the Conservatives are up into the high 20s now, which they haven't seen in a very, very long time, probably since the time of Brian Mulroney, actually. Hmm. Uh, and uh, the Liberals are at 35, still in the lead, but not that big 
What about the Maritimes? Liberals still are holding on reasonably well, but again, the Conservatives are back up. So the idea that, uh, remember, the Maritimes, 30, uh, Atlantic Canada, 32 seats in the entire region. That's, mm-hmm. that's how many seats we're talking about. It's not that many. Uh, and the Liberals swept all of them the last time. That's the right. question is, yep. given the thumping that they're probably going to take in Western Canada, that being Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba, can they make them up in Atlantic Canada? All they can do is lose there. Yeah, it, so well, it's a exactly. pretty precarious situation. Well, you have that Scott Bryson situation, yeah. right? a popular MP mm-hmm. uh, from the Maritimes who stepped down in order to spend more time with family. And that would have been a lock right there. But when you lose a popular long-term MP like that, it's almost anybody's game. Hey, uh, let me ask you, Daryl, uh, are you able to give opinion or, or, or do you have to <laughs> stick to the black and white facts? Well, it depends on opinion on what. <laughs> well, here's my question, because who knows, right? The numbers are the numbers, uh, but, you know, then we all sort of speculate on what caused the numbers. Obviously, the SNC-Lavalin affair has had an effect. Uh, the Philpot did not on these numbers because the numbers came out before sure. that. But my question is this, that oftentimes you will see some scandalous piece of news come out uh, at about this time, that, uh, you know, as we prepare for an election, the other party goes, oh, by the way, here's this. But in this particular case, case, the scandalous news came out from within that party. It, it did, yeah. And I wonder if that isn't one of the explanations for why it's having the significant impact it is and why so many Canadians are talking about it, yeah. because it isn't one party throwing another party under the bus, it's a party throwing itself under the bus. Yeah, and that's exactly what's going on here, and that's why it's having the effect that it's having. Uh, not only are the uh, the uh, is the subject matter uh, Problematic. I mean, a red line in Canadian politics is politicians interfering with the justice system, something that people know, generally speaking, they shouldn't be doing. So it's the subject matter's uh, rough, uh, but also uh, the people involved are really compelling. So it's, mm-hmm. it's not just a really technical issue that people mm-hmm. are talking about in Ottawa. It's, it's really a very personal issue involving a prime minister who is supposed to represent an awful lot on what he seems not to be representing at the moment, and an individual who was absolutely, uh, uh, in the former Attorney General, absolutely the pinnacle of what he was trying to produce in Canadian <laughs> politics, rejecting him. Yeah. So that, that, that's, a, that's a really compelling story, and Canadians, as the polling shows, are watching very closely. Yeah, not just, not just you know, political gurus and junkies that, you know, that exactly. follow everything, that people are actually paying attention, and, and we're seeing it on our text line as well. There's a lot, a lot of comment about this, and I think you nailed it too, Daryl, you know, talking about um, the players in all of this and how fascinating they are, and you look back at Jody Wilson-Raybould and what a strong witness she was mm-hmm. i mean that was just <laughs> that was just amazing to watch and and people are siding with her yeah they are to the tune of two to one wow. and even interestingly enough among people who are still voting for the liberal party that 31 percent that say that they're voting for the liberal party almost 20 percent of them are siding with her hmm. so the, the problem that the liberals got is that we you know as uh as Andrew was saying, I mean, we, this was before uh, the, uh, uh, the Treasury Board president resigned. Mm-hmm. Um, we may have just caught them on the way down. They, they may not actually yeah. have reached bottom. Well, where's Yesterday rock bottom? Could have added more to it. Yeah, that's... Where's the, rock bottom I know, on this it's, one? It's very interesting, right? Because now, take that same You go poll. with the Bryson thing and the Norman scandal. Right. You have a government mm. whose uh, foundation is based... Or you have a leader, we should say, whose foundation is based upon being an advocate for Aboriginal rights and being a feminist. And the first two high-profile cabinet ministers to leave are both women, one of which is Aboriginal. Mm-hmm. 
It's, it's, I mean, I can't imagine a bigger... I mean, in your history of doing polling, can you recall another situation that escalated this quickly? Well, the last one I can think of was Lucien Bouchard. Yes. But the, um, but the, uh, the, the, the difference in that circumstance at a national level, of course, and there's probably been some provincially. The difference in that circumstance was it was a really different vision of Canada. And Brian Mulroney fired him. He didn't, he didn't leave. Mm. Uh, um, so in this instance, what you had is two people who didn't have a disagreement over public policy. This wasn't, you know, uh, uh, somebody saying, I don't believe Quebec should have distinct society status, like Michael Chong did when he resigned, just resigned from, Brian Mor- uh, from Stephen Harper's cabinet. This is two people who said, um, you know what? I think that what the government did here was unethical, and I think the way that they're treating this particular individual, particularly in her role as the custodian of the criminal justice mm-hmm. system in this Canada, was completely inappropriate. And I feel so strongly about it that I'm going to leave. Daryl Bricker is the CEO of Ipsos Public Affairs, joining us, uh, just kind of uh, chewing the fat on these latest numbers that came out. Um, we're hearing today, Daryl, that uh, the Prime Minister is considering, quote, a statement of contrition. Don't know what that looks like. Um, what are what are you seeing? What did the, the, the polling suggest um, what Canadians want him to do? Well, I think uh, Canadians, uh, based on what we looked at, now we didn't ask about a statement of contrition, whether or not that that would be the way way to deal with the situation. So the next poll we will, obviously. Uh, But uh, they had some pretty strong views about what they wanted to see done. So, you know, half the population said they wanted to have an election. Mm. 85% of the population said they wanted to have uh, an RCMP investigation. Mm. So just simply coming out and saying, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may be enough. I mean, we know that the prime minister is a, a very, very able communicator, so maybe he's a way that there's a way that he can do that. But it, it seems to me that Canadians are looking for a bit more substance than just saying I'm sorry. Yeah, and that 85 percent could be broken down too, couldn't it? Because you could be a staunch liberal and Trudeau supporter and still support the concept of an RCMP investigation in order to clear him and his top civil servants and cabinet ministers. Right. So, uh, you know, I'm sure that uh, some very smart people are sitting in Ottawa today (laughs) trying to craft up exactly what the response is going to be, and we shouldn't prejudge it. I mean, maybe they may do a really excellent job of of making some statement of contrition, and that might go a long way to get this thing back on track. But uh, given the numbers that I'm seeing and given how far they've fallen and how quickly they've done it, uh, it's going to have to be one heck of a statement of contrition. You have to wonder if the damage is done. For sure. Before we let you go, I've got a general question for you about statistics, because you know people uh, often read these polls, and, and then, uh, you know, if you're not exactly right in, in what you're predicting or anticipating, then it's like, well, what were these polar, polling people thinking? Is the biggest problem with polling the fact that people don't always do what they say they'll do? No, I think the biggest problem with, with polling these days is that... Um, you know, it's harder to do polls than it used to be. I mean, how many people have landlines? I mean, yeah. When I started into this business, you could get, you know, 80% of people at home with their landlines. So sampling's a bit of an issue, but also interpretation. You know, what are people really telling us in the survey? What's really going on? I think this one, when you triangulate all of the questions that we asked, and you look at uh, the direction um, of 
political choice, so how people would vote. There's a consistent theme and message that comes out of this. So I don't think that one could say that, uh, um, you know, we're misinterpreting something or not seeing something. Uh, we can't see what's not there, obviously, so we can't judge what's going to happen in the future. But we can certainly say that there's a consistency in these results about the direction of where this government is headed. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah. Daryl like, It's like polling people outside of Dairy Queen and asking them if they like ice cream. Maybe, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the better this... like ice cream? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, apparently 99% of Canadians do. So there you go. There you go. Daryl, <laughs> thanks so much for this. We, uh, we enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Take care now, Daryl Bricker, the uh, CEO of Ipsos Public Affairs. Mm. You want to break down those numbers a little bit more, you want to take a look at them, you can find it on our Facebook page at 630Ched or at 630Ched or at globalnews.ca. The 630Ched Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630Ched. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.